Um, Ramirez's are not here. So, Lord, we thank you that we got a chance to launch into another New Testament book. And um, we ask for insight and wisdom by Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, we don't, we don't need more scholarly input. We need uh, the wisdom from above. So we thank you. And we pray, Lord, that uh, even though this is a lot of just sort of get-ready information, Lord, that you're going to be on this as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So two years ago, we, we studied about um, Paul's letter to the Galatians, which is where he went on his first missionary journey. You know, he left uh, uh, Antioch, which is here in Syria, and he went up, you know, he went to Cyprus, and then he went north, and uh, uh, Tarsus is on the south coast here, and then he went north, and up, up here in the middle, it says Galatia, Hard to read that from where you are, but Galatia is, is this big province in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And um, there was a reference to Phrygia uh, and some of the problems that were coming over the border from Phrygia to the Galatian people. But um, in the second missionary journey, Paul goes uh, the same route back just to confirm where he was with the churches. He never went, you know, he went to... Laodicea, and he went you know, north, but he never touched Colossae. He just sort of bypassed it, which is interesting because the trade route that Colossae used to stand on got rerouted, and the town withered away. And so it was natural for him to walk right by and be unaware that it was out there in the weeds. So he, he goes north, and he works his way back up to Galatia, and he gets up here in the north, and he's asking the Lord for permission to go into Bithynia, up here on the... On the, the um, North Coast, if you will, black sea, up against the Black Sea, and the Lord says, no, you don't do that. And so he's sitting in Troas, and he has a dream. And the dream is of a man over in Macedonia, over here, excuse me, over here. <laughs> um, and uh, the man is saying, please come over to us. So he takes a ship, and he, and he goes over and lands and goes to Philippi, and the gospel comes to the, to the um, continent of Asia, uh, from, from Asia, to Europe. And then the third uh, missionary journey, Paul goes out and around and he comes back and he settles in Ephesus. It's out here on the coast, right here. It's, it's a seaport. And um, he goes in to preach, teach, argue, discuss Jesus as Messiah with the Jews in the synagogue in, in Ephesus. And so he starts with, here's, here's the, pro- the Old Testament prophecies. And they, don't, they don't have New Testament yet. Okay? It's being written in chunks. Perhaps by now the book of Mark may actually have been written and passed around. But you know, he's, he's still working in the synagogues with the Old Testament. So he starts with the prophecies. And then this Jesus was born of a virgin. And he lived and at age 30. He's baptized by the Holy Spirit. And he was baptized by John who was preaching. And the baptism of John, we know, had spread out around the, the Roman Empire. So people knew about that. And, uh, and then he had three years of mighty ministry with awesome miracles. Then he's betrayed, um, crucified by the Romans at the demand of the, of the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders. He's buried, he's resurrected, and then he's seen by up to 500 people at a time over the next 40 days until, he, until there's an ascension into heaven. So he's laying out, this is the good news of the Messiah that has come. 
And the, the leadership in the synagogue in Ephesus would have none of it. It was, you know, they just cut him dead. So he leaves the synagogue, and ten men who were persuaded by his teaching left the synagogue, and he establishes himself in the city of Ephesus in the school of Tyrannus. Uh, and we don't know anything about the school of Tyrannus other than it, was a, it had a building, and it had a meet, large meeting room, and for two years... Paul sits in, in Ephesus and he teaches night and day. And sometimes he taught late into the night because we know that Eutychus was the guy that falls out of the window and is taken up dead and they have to resurrect him because he fell asleep in the middle of preaching, which we've been known to do here as well. So I'm sometimes chief of, chief of sinners right there. Okay? I stay awake by talking. If someone else is talking, I just go on. Okay? But he stayed in... Uh, in Ephesus, and people came into him from the provinces because they'd heard that the, that the apostle was teaching. And, and in Acts 19, it says, all of Asia Minor, all this region here, heard of the good news of Jesus Christ in two years because he stayed in one place and just he taught and he equipped. He taught and laid hands on people. There was impartation. There was affirmation of, you have the gift. Go do it. So Historians say that two men walked out of Colossae. Colossae is over here. can't put my finger exactly on it on this map, but it, they're 100 miles inland from Ephesus. They're in the Lycus River. It's three cities. It's Colossae and Laodicea and Hierapolis. They're right there in the bottom of the Lycus River Valley. And two men walk out of there. They walk 100 miles. They come into Ephesus. One is named Epaphras. And he came, and somewhere in that process, whether he got converted in Colossae because somebody came to him, or whether he came to Paul, heard the teaching and went, that's it. And, and he gave his life to Christ, and he very likely had the gift of, the, of an evangelist because he went back home, and he started planting churches in Laodicea, in Hierapolis, and in Colossae. The second man that was with him was named Philemon. And, and Philemon is the, passage, the book that he immediately follows in the scriptures, okay? And uh, Philemon is a, was a, a man who had a home, and so he, his gift was he was going to host the church in Colossae. <clears throat> so um, Paul, meanwhile, leaves Ephesus, goes down to Jerusalem, and there's a riot in the temple. How the, 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 the Jews hated what he'd been doing all over Asia, teaching to the Gentiles that Jesus was the Messiah. And uh, they, want his, they want his neck. They, they want to, to try him. And so the riot breaks out in Jerusalem, and the Roman garrison has to be dispatched into the temple compound to rescue Paul, and they take him into protective custody. The, the Roman governor was named... Felix, and um, Felix wasn't, he didn't know who this guy was, but he just wanted to make sure there's peace in town, and, and then the word comes to, you know, in that Felix hears about it, that there's a plot to assassinate Paul, and that a whole bunch of these Jews have taken a vow that until Paul is dead, they're neither going to eat or drink, well, he outlived them, okay, <laughs> okay, uh, and, but 
uh, Felix recognizing that this was another explosive thing in Jerusalem sends Paul from Jerusalem down to the coast, down to Caesarea. Okay? And for the next two years, Paul is imprisoned at Caesarea and he has a continued conversations with Felix and then the replacement for Felix that comes out from Rome named Festus and with King Agrippa. And and even Agrippa, it says in the book of Acts that Agrippa says, I'm almost persuaded by what you have to say. Almost. <clears throat> Finally, Paul has sort of had it with being incarcerated, and he, he exercises his right as a Roman citizen to appeal his case to Caesar. And, it, and so he was then transported from the coastline down here, from Caesarea, you know, the thousand miles or whatever it was up, you know, and, you know, the journey that he takes, you know, the, one of those islands out there, whether it was Malta or one of the other ones, there was a shipwreck, etc. on the way to Rome. When he gets to Rome, he is under house guard. He's under house arrest while his case is awaiting uh, disposition by Nero. Uh, he's in this place, and in this place while he's you know, there, he writes the prison epistles. He writes Philippians. He writes Colossians. He writes First and Second Thessalonians. I think you know there's five of them. I think there's five. First, Second Thessalonians, Philippians, Colossians, and one more. Philemon. Okay. While he's sitting in this house, so he has his freedom. People come and go. He has a substantial team around him in Rome that are caring for him and his needs, and also ministering in Rome. <clears throat> now. Um, the door opens, and in the door comes Epaphras. He's come a thousand miles. He took ship from Ephesus. He goes all the way around to Rome. It took him a, a thousand miles by ship to get there. And the news he brings is the church in Colossae is under some stress. That uh, there's good things happening. There's, there's blessed things happening. And, but those who are once strong in the faith are, are being led astray. They're, 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 they feel really not settled in their faith any longer. So Paul sits down with Timothy, and, and that's the opening line to the, to the book. He says, Paul and Timothy, who's here uh, with him. Timothy may have been the amanuensis. Timothy may have been the, sec- the secretary, who just, Paul talks and Timothy writes fast. Okay, to put together this, this message that's going to go out to this church, and it's dispatched immediately by, with a man named Tychicus, and Tychicus goes out the back door from Rome, the thousand miles back to Ephesus, and walks a hundred miles back up, the, up into the Lycus Valley to deliver this, this message to Colossae. <clears throat> now, let's pause. You know, we need the zoom out thing. 400 years before Paul, but before this event, 400 years, Colossae was flourishing under Persian rule. The Persian Empire is over here. And it came roaring up here to try and take all of Greece. You remember the Spartan Wars and you know the Xerxes and the whole deal. Okay, so at, at some point, this whole region was controlled by the Persians, and um, Colossae was known at that time as perhaps the most famous and prosperous place where wool was grown on sheep, and then the wool was processed into thread and into fabrics. Um, in Colossae especially, they had a white-wooled sheep that produced excellent 
excellent yarn, and they would dye that yarn a deep crimson, a deep, deep red, like that, like what Maria has on. It was the kind of thing you could, you know, if you, if you were wearing it, people could tell. I'd, you know, that it was Colossian cloth. They used the cyclamen petals. Some of you know what cyclamen flowers are? They would, they had, you know, they grew wild all over the place. They weren't cultivated. They just went out and picked them. But they, they made a dye for that wool that was distinctive. And as a result, they prospered. Um, that whole region out there, uh, Colossians sits in, a, in the bottom of a valley and it's surrounded by four major mountain ranges uh, that run up to 8,000 feet in elevation. Some of the pictures I've seen of modern day, you know, Turkey right there at Colossi, there's snow on those mountains. Okay, so it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, down in the valley there wasn't any snow, but up, up on top there was. <clears throat> and um, the, the chemistry uh, of the river that runs through Colossi made a huge difference because the Meander River that runs through, where's the second slide on this? Second slide. Here, somebody, somebody I need the second map. Thank you. Um, the, the Meander River runs through Colossi, right through the middle of it, and it's a white chalk stream, meaning you look at it, and it's all milky. The water's all opaque. It's milky. It's this, it's this calcareous silt that's carried in from the mountain ranges that that water runs through. And it has, for millennia, it has come into that area. And, and in flood season, it would spread out across, um, and the river would change its channels. And so you have this, these limestone, essentially that's what it was, limestone uh, formations that were made because the river came in and deposited all this ch- silt. And then the river would change direction in flood time and it would go through and make new grottoes and new steely and new caves. And, and so the people were like, wow, we live in this amazing place. But the chemistry of that water with the high, the high con- limestone content was particularly valuable to them because they could then compound the dyes that they used on the wool. It just was a fortuitous thing. I live here and this water makes great dyes. Now Pliny said, Pliny was a Roman, uh, Roman philosopher. Pliny said, if you take a brick and throw that brick into the water of the Meander River, it's going to turn it into a boulder because the, there's so much accretion of, this, of the limestone particles to whatever's there, it'll take that brick and turn it into a round boulder as long as you just leave it down there in the bottom of the river. The, uh, the trade route that Colossi sat on, it was, it was Colossi, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. All three of them sat on a trade route that came directly through town on the way to the... Sorry, drawing a blank. Euphrates River. Okay, so you come from the Mediterranean Sea coast... And you just start moving right through. You, know, you start here around the coast and you walk all the way across into northern Iraq, you know, where the, perhaps where the Kurds have a homeland now. But, you know, it was a, it was a place of, of moving great wealth on that road from the interior out to the coast and back and forth. <clears throat> Colossi, Laodicea, and Hierapolis were on this thing until about 100 years before, um, before Christ. 
And then, for whatever reason, the road shifted and Colossae was sort of cut off. You know, in the, in the, in the old West times, the, the settling of the West, you know, you'd have these, these uh, cattle stations that would raise up. You know, you have Dodge City and you have Abilene and you have this. But then the railroad comes in and the railroad goes, well, let's see, we're going to go north of this town. Well, if, if you weren't on the railroad line, your town just went shrunk. Okay? You, and that's what happened to Colossae. The, the, the trade route shifted and it went from being a mighty city that was known in the east to just a town-sized thing. It had been so mighty that even Xerxes, well, we know him as Ahasuerus, the husband of Queen Esther. He came to Colossae on, on just making his rounds of his, of his empire. And then in the second century BC, um, Antiochus III, was one of the Seleucid kingdom, the Seleucid Empire uh, rulers. The Seleucids were the ones who stepped in after the death of um, Alexander the Great. And there was a ruler in Egypt, and there was a ruler in Palestine, and there was a ruler, you know, they, they, split, the, they split the Persian Empire, excuse me, the Greek Empire under, under um, Alexander. They split it up in chunks, and the, all these Seleucid emperors, if you will, ruled their section. So this guy, Antiochus III, he moved 2,000 Jewish families from Mesopotamia, from Babylon, just offered, it wasn't forced, it uh, was not a forced move, it was an opportunity move. Because wherever you planted Jewish people, those cities prospered. Because they, had fam- they did family together, they did community together, you know, they set up money lending operations. They had crafts. They all had crafts that they would contribute. And so prosperity would come wherever the Jews landed. So they put 2,000 of these families into Asia Minor, which is a big piece of land. But they were, there was a substantial Jewish community in Laodicea, in Colossae, and Hierapolis. In fact, when we first studied Galatians, I said uh, Paul the Apostle was Saul of Tarsus, and his father was thought to be the head rabbi in, in Tarsus. But that family arrived in Asia Minor with this transportation of Jewish families a couple of hundred years before Paul. So there was, there was a substantial Jewish presence there. In Phrygia, okay, now Phrygia is located, can we go back, is there a possibility to go back on that? Thank you, back up for me. Okay, Phrygia, Galatia's here in the north, this up here, that's, that's Galatia. And then this, this region here, from, from the edge of Galatia out to the coast, was called Phrygia. Um, and and uh, uh, it was known for its mystery religions, secret passwords, initiations, wild music and dancing, and orgies. And uh, that's the stuff that was kind of creeping over the border in the book of Galatians just was the way that they were living their lives in, in Phrygia, and the Galatians were going, ah, here it comes. <clears throat> um, surrounding the church in, Colossus, in Colossae were Jews and Gentiles, all of whom were sort of mixing and, match, match, they were mixing and matching religious experiences and teachings to create new cults. <clears throat> yeah, in the... Um, in the Jewish community, as well as in the Gentile community, there were those who said, oh, I've had encounters with angels. So it wasn't exclusively Jewish. It, would, it could also be 
Gentile. <clears throat> also, Merkava, which is a Jewish mysticism that dates back, you know, 2,000 years now. Um, and it was rising in Phrygia. And, and then it's really early to say that there were Gnostics in this part of Asia. It's just, the dating is, it doesn't match up to what we know about the, the Gnostic presence and the Gnostic heresies. But some of the roots match. Some of the things that were going on around Colossae match some of the Gnostic heresies. And they're, they're like this. Okay? Because uh, the Gnostics were those who were in the know. They, they, they knew about higher spiritual knowledge and higher, and, and higher spiritual experience. They, they believed that God uh, was so pure he couldn't touch matter. And so he sent out all these emanations, these other yogis and teachers and messiahs and things like that, th- hoping that somewhere out there in the distance there'd be mutations and, and somehow one of his emanations could touch matter. Okay? <clears throat> all right? But, the, but the, the bottom line was the Gnostics claimed that Jesus was just an emanation. He wasn't God. He was a sort of a godling. Okay? He was sent out from God but ultimately failed and was crucified. To them, Christ was not the creator or sustainer of all life. <clears throat> to them, the incarnation was impossible because God couldn't touch flesh. You know, the flesh was inherently evil. God couldn't touch flesh, etc. So the incarnation teaching, now nah, that won't work for them. And to them, Christ was just not enough. So there's some 44 individual theories about what the heresy was that was hammering the Colossian church, including, and included in that 44, a couple of them that say, oh, this is just normal local church disagreement about doctrine. Some of us have lived through that. Okay? Okay. That said, Epaphras had arrived in Rome with the news that those who, again, who were once strong in the faith were struggling. They were, they were, there was some confusion. They, were, they felt the pull towards some of these other expressions and cults. And like the Colossian church, we're, we're also challenged by syncretism. Uh, syncretism is a blending, a mashup. Okay? And in our case, it's sort of the blended faith's teachings where you start with Jesus, but then you sort of say, but we have to have a lot of social justice on top of that. And all of a sudden, it tips over, and Jesus disappears from the equation, and you are an organization, you're a church, you're a whole, a whole denomination that does nothing. It has nothing to do with Jesus. You're just focused on something else, but you use his name on the outside of the building. And then we've got the... the um, coexist bumper stickers that you see with all the symbols of Christ and Islam and, and the Taoists. They, they put all the symbols on the back of a bumper you know, and, the, and then there's the phrase, why can't we just get along? Why can't we just, you know, just because you want to, you hate me because I'm, I love Jesus and, and you're a Muslim, why can't we just get along? Okay, so that, that pressure is present around us in this county. <clears throat> And like in Colossae, they, they too are surrounded by a media and an entertainment system uh, where they exalted a pluralism. 
Yes, you could have Jesus and something else attached to it. You know, you could have a different set of views, and it's just as good as believing in the Christ. And so they would elevate pluralism and tolerance at the highest level. That sound familiar? Paul's letter to the Colossians was sent to the smallest town that any of his any of his messages went to. I mean, obviously, he did a circular letter in Galatia. There probably were smaller towns in Galatia that got that letter of Galatians. But to have it titled to the Colossians, this was a little forgotten side-of-the-road thing that just got, you know. The other thing that took down Colossae were, were earthquakes. <clears throat> they had a regular, there was one in B.C., and there was one in 61 or 62 A.D., that would have been just about the time that Epaphras was coming home. So Epaphras didn't bring news of the devastation, but he may have arrived back in the Lycus Valley and gone, what happened here? And today, when you go back to that region, yes, they can sort of say this is where it was, but all the marble, all the building materials, everything had got picked up and moved across the river or lifted up the hill, and it, you know, the, it was, everything was used from the rubble to build something else. And so it's, and then that got torn down and forgotten or destroyed when the Saracens took over 500 years later. So you have this spread of rubble and no one has really ever gone into Colossae to do good archeological things and say, here it was. It just isn't a high profile thing for archeologists. But here, when he's writing back to these people, he knows that they're still gathered in the name that, that heals and saves and delivers, just like us. Now, how he starts out in the passage of Colossians, he, he, he knows there's problems. Epaphras has been moved enough to get out of Dodge and move a thousand miles to deliver the news that things are not going well back in Colossae. <clears throat> it's, but... Here, Paul sets this template, and it, it really is an interesting template. It's one we personally have used in the past where you have, there's a problem. Well, what he does is he compliments. He sends compliments to the church. He says, I've heard of your faith. I know what's happening. Praise God for what you're doing. And then he turns around, and he just begins to teach. See, there's no panic here. There's no swift action that's urged upon the Colossians to, oh, man, you've got to... Buckle up. You know, you have to be to live a different way. Instead, they were to focus on the astounding, superlative, unequaled Christ. And so are we. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for um, the opportunity to stand freely here and proclaim this is where we're going in the scriptures. We ask that uh, in the next weeks as the podcast rolls through Colossians that by Holy Spirit um, we will be uh, uh, in touch with and moved by and awakened to your awesome Son. Lord, thank you for the Christ. You know, thank you for the, the one who reigns and rules and sustains all. And, uh, and we desire that our lives would come into alignment with yours. In Jesus' name, amen.